what difference does Jesus' return make to the way you view the world now? What difference does it make to the way you listen to the news stories? How does it impact the way you respond to tragedies? How does it change the way we hear the Bible talk? You ever thought about that? How does Jesus' return influence the way you listen this morning? Does it make a difference? TV, cinema and books love to explore the potential end of days scenarios, don't they? I'm sure you can think of some. You know, you've got the theme of the cataclysmic asteroid strike. And off Bruce Willis goes with his heroic band of failures. You've got uh, maybe... The revolt of Mother Nature, that seems to be a new thing. Just decided that somehow Mother Nature will turn against us because of our misuse of her resources and create something that just destroys and wipes out humanity. Or, or maybe, as is quite popular at the minute, it's the idea of the zombie apocalypse. You read teen books, they're full of that. Y- you watch any show on Netflix, there, there are plenty of those around. And they're not just in works of fiction, are they? There are lots of scientists who will give us all sorts of theories about how the world ends. From an asteroid strike, yes, through to the cooling of the sun, to the expansion of the universe, to an unstoppable pandemic. You can read all sorts of scientific scenarios on those. Now, I know we don't like to think about it, but we need to think really carefully about what we believe about the end, because that ought to impact how we live now. Chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew are all about how do Jesus' followers live in light of the fact the world will end and Jesus will return. How do you take that and rub that into your everyday life so that it transforms things? And We're going to look at chapter 24 now. We'll come back to chapter 25 when we come back to Matthew um, next January. Now, Jesus is is teaching his disciples. And just notice something in the past. I wonder if you spotted it. Jesus is speaking prophetically. (coughs) These are about things that haven't happened yet. He says that false teachers will come. He says, for a start, Jerusalem will be destroyed. He says, you'll be handed over and persecuted. He says, the abomination that causes desolation will come and you'll see him. He talks about false messiahs again. And in detail, some of the things they will say about where people will claim that false messiahs are. Jesus speaks prophetically in detail. And this side of the ascension, this side of history, we we know all of those things came true. But Jesus speaks like this so that the disciples aren't unaware, so they're not surprised by what comes. Because let's be honest, sometimes when we watch the news story, it's discouraging, isn't it? We can think, Maybe God's, you know, fallen asleep. Maybe he's taking his hand off the wheel. Maybe things are just careering out of control. Or we can find ourselves just a bit disillusioned. Why hasn't he come yet? Jesus teaches this to the disciples so that they stand firmly and fix their faith and their eyes on their certain hope. But let me say it's a really, really tricky passage. Okay, there is loads of debate about this, about where you divide different bits and which bits about the fall of Jerusalem, which bits about Jesus' return. There's all sorts of debate and argument. I could spend an hour and a half with you this morning outlining all the different possibilities. I'm not, I'm not going to, don't worry. Partly because I don't actually think it changes the application of this. 
Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think. I'll tell you really briefly. But this morning, we're going to structure what we're doing around the application of these things. So it doesn't really matter what, how you believe the passage breaks down. Okay, these are not hills to die on. Whether you think the second coming starts in verse 22, which some people maintain, okay, or whether you think the second coming uh, doesn't happen until verse 29. Okay. Other people suggest that all the way through the passage, you've got all of time and Jerusalem all mixed up together, and it's like a massive mis- mishmash, and you can't separate anything out. I, I'll tell you quickly what I think. Okay. Now look at verses 1 to 3. I think this is really helpful. Jesus leaves the temples, and his disciples rightly point out the wonder of the temple complex. It was an utterly amazing building. It was a feat of engineering and architecture. It was one of the wonders of the world. It was beautiful. But look what Jesus says. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown out. Jesus says that all that beauty you admire, everything that looks so permanent, it's all going to go. Now, Jesus' words clearly trouble the disciples, don't they? Because sometime later, after they've walked out of Jerusalem and they're sitting on the Mount of Olives, they can't get it out of their heads. They, they struggle to think of a future where God's people and God's kingdom will be without the temple and without Jerusalem. So what do they say to him? They say, tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the end, the sign of, the, of your coming and the end of the ages? Now just, just notice what they're doing here. One, there's two questions, not one. But secondly, they're contracting all of time together. You know a telescope, okay? You know, a telescope, you can slide it in and it's really small, or you can stretch it out and it's really long. It's like the disciples have taken the whole of history, the telescope of history, and they've shrunk it all down. Do you see? Look, they, they think, when will this happen? That's the fall of Jerusalem. And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? They think they will all be one event. Okay? So Jerusalem will fall, the temple will be destroyed, the end of the age will come, and Jesus will return. Okay? They're They've got them all together. Or, or the alternative is they're thinking they're like dominoes. So one follows the other. You know, it's like when you build dominoes or your, your brother does and you decide to really annoy them by pushing it just as they're finished. And one knocks the other, knocks the other. They happen straight away. That's, that's the other potential way they're viewing this. So they're all either one event together or they're dominoes that follow really quickly. Okay. Now... Jesus in the rest of this chapter is answering their two questions, but what he's also doing for them is taking the telescope of history they've got small and drawing it out over time. Okay, so they see Jerusalem will fall, but that's not when he returns. And interestingly, next week we'll see, he'll tell them there are signs, but he won't tell them when. In fact, he'll say, you don't need to know when. So their two questions are when and what are the signs? Now, verses 1 to 28, I think, are primarily dealing with the period up to the end of the age, when Jesus returns. And that includes verses 15 to 21. It includes the fall of Jerusalem. Okay. He describes the whole thing as being a time of labor pains, and it's as if Jerusalem is a particularly hard contraction. But it's not the end. And then verses 29 to 51 that we'll look at next week focus on, focus on Jesus' return and the when question and how we live in light of that. But 
You may disagree with me. You're very welcome to. Lots of good commentators do, but lots of good commentators would agree with me. You pay your money, you take your choice. None of them perfectly fits, let me say. And I think that's helpful because that tells us this is not a hill worth dying on. This is a passage where we can take different views and that's okay. Okay? Provided we're saying, okay, Jesus will return and history will end and then we're working out what it looks like to live in light of it. Jesus wants his disciples to know how they live. So this morning we're going to structure it around four applications for us. So here's the first one. First application for them and for us, don't be deceived by false messiahs. How, be, how, how do you respond to events on the knees? Be honest. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and other natural 